Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 485 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd here. Todd, how we doing? I am shocked. You remembered the Lamborghini part. I'm that's great, but I'm doing good. So we implemented the Lamborghini of everything. Right. Many months ago. And I have very bad luck in remembering it. I know. Uh it was it listen, Todd. Yes. Only been four months. Okay. Okay. How long has it been since I remember who starts the show? Never. Never. That's right. Number one, never. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a call back to the correct listening order people out there. Right. Uh, But we do have uh, comic book stuff to talk about this week, and that's what this show is about for like Mm -hmm. 90% of it. Right. Right. we have a news segment that can be just called taking Dan DiDio's Facebook posts, <laughs> but there was a lot of information in there, right? It's information that we tasked you, the listeners with at that convention that he was at last week to go and uh, harass him for little. Did we know he would just share all this information on Facebook? That's right. He'd do a shoot interview on Facebook. Oh, brother. I, you know, I tell you, I'm so out of practice with my Dan DiDio impersonation, and I'm going to be reading a lot of his Facebook posts, <laughs> so I may slip into it, but it's going to be rare. I'm telling you up front, it's going to be very poor. It's, I feel it's going to be like slipping into an old sock. Just yes. real easy for you. Uh, we also have conventions this weekend, digital sales and freebies. We need to double check if they changed the freebies <laughs> on me. What we read this past week, uh, which is Immortal Hulk number 29 and Batman number 86. What we're looking forward to coming out this week, as well as discussion of the latest episode of The Doctor The Who. Doctor Who. Slap some respect on that son. And hey, they did change the freebies. So oh. look at me. Look, look at me. <laughs> did you see it? Did you see it? Oh my goodness. All right. So we'll we'll go over that later. I gotta keep that landing page up. So one of the many topics that have been on this show for the better part of the last two years has been a lot of things involving DC comics. Mm-hmm. And Dan DeDio, uh the head muckety muck over at DC Comics. What's his official title? Um He's the publisher. I think so. I don't even know anymore with all these names and titles. Yeah. So he had a lot of things. So let's kind of just go right down the list and we'll kind of remark on everything as we have them here. Mm -hmm. So he discussed uh, Doomsday Clock, saying the schedule on Doomsday Clock made it very difficult to align a lot of product into it. (laughs) I could stop reading there because, you know, that's that's no that's no fooling, you know. Right. Uh, You'll see. I was going to swear like three times there, by the way, just so you know, and I stopped myself. Uh, you'll see a reflection of Doomsday Clock on the timeline. A lot of what's on the timeline has been driven by story beats that come out of Doomsday Clock. It is truly affecting the line in that fashion. It doesn't line up completely, but the sensibility, the purpose, the introduction of the JSA, the introduction of the Legion, those are key aspects of what the timeline is. Once you see it on paper, it'll all make sense. Oh, good. Will we get that on time on paper? Uh, I have so many problems with just that statement. What? What? Name one problem. Okay. The <laughs> schedule on Doomsday Clock made it difficult to align a lot of product into it. Mm-hmm. Really? No. You really think so? I think it was smooth sailing for Doomsday Clock. And in just this statement, he says timeline like six times. Mm-hmm. Have we seen a JSA book? No, but the characters have shown up. Remember all the way back in Rebirth? We were wondering we were going to get them. Mm-hmm. So took a little while. And then it took a little more while when Doomsday Clock was late. But we finally got them. And a lot of what's on the timeline is being driven by story beats that came out of Doomsday Clock. Haven't seen that yet, neither. Well, that's coming. I don't know if you heard of a little thing called 5G. That's just down the road, Joe. Oh, well, you know what, uh, Todd? Uh 
Dan DiDio addresses 5G. Oh, does he? He says, quote, There are a lot of half-truths and misinformation floating around about some of our plans. I appreciate people wanting to be excited and in the know about what's going on. The first people who will find out once we're ready to announce it will be you, the retailers, as he's winking into the Facebook (laughs) comment section. We are looking at ways to create noticeable and exciting tent poles and events and moments in our line. I'm not talking about creating an endless run of events. I'm talking about spots we can identify in our line that can really help pull things together and doing it on a quarterly basis so we can create a rhythm within our storytelling that keeps people excited about what we're doing. I always feel story and character should be the lead for anything we do. Mm -hmm. I feel as though someone should be keeping all of these posts, not just in the audio form of me reading them, (laughs) because I have a strange feeling in like three months, six months, when, like, these posts disappear, someone's going to be going looking at, like, Dan DiDio's like, hey, remember when you said this? And then this didn't happen. It's all going to smooth out and perfectly in the end. Now that Doomsday Clock is over, we can get right into the 5G, and you don't know what it is, but it's all going to work out, Joe. Don't worry. Right, and uh, this past weekend, our, our local retailer, I got a chance to talk to him, <laughs> and I know we had some comments over on the on the, the website for the last week's episode, Jeremy Dennis, longtime listener, I know he's a patron, everything else like that, and he kind of echoes the sentiments that our retailer does about this, and I can only hope that Dan DiDio is somewhat telling a full truth here. <laughs> somewhat telling a full truth. <laughs> somewhat telling a full truth. Because if the 5G is the thing that is rumored and innuendo to be, it is going to leave a lot of people very upset. And I know I was being accused both here on the show and at the comic book shop of being like, I'm excited for 5G and I can't wait for it because it's going to be the best thing ever. I'm like, I hope DC's thing that they're trying works out because we need more readers. That so much wasn't really what the person who was accusing you was meaning. Right. More, it was the person who, who was accusing you was that that DC has nothing to lose except for a lot of readers. Mm-hmm. That was more with like you're like yeah they got nothing to lose. This is try something throw it and like no you don't just but whatever that these are roads that I feel like I've plowed before. Right. So it just, I, you know, I, I certainly hope with whatever they're planning, it doesn't drive people away like it sounds like it might. Hmm. Now, well, they'll, but they'll always have the, you know, the, the past collected editions coming out that we can read if we don't like the new stuff, Joe. That's right. Hmm? That's right. Uh, and also, uh, you know, obviously all this talk of the timeline and everything. We had postulated and speculated here that the upcoming Flash and Wonder Woman 750s were going to be key points for this. And uh, Dan DiDio continued to say, uh, the purpose is to bring in a baseline of storytelling that brings a level of consistency and more uniformity in the interpretations of the characters. They're all going to be the younger versions. We are looking to build a series of books that will retell the history of the DC Universe. In some ways, this will be our Bible for the DC Universe. Oh, this is always death. (laughs) One of the first places you'll see this happening is Wonder Woman 750. Change in numbering is purposeful in the sense that uh, Wonder Woman is the first time we're acknowledging the timeline and establishing Wonder Woman as our first superhero. In the story by Scott Snyder and Brian Hitch, something similar is going to be happening in The Flash. Uh, The 750 numbering is not a stunt. Wink. (laughs) It is the ongoing numbering. You will not be seeing a Flash number one or Wonder Woman number one in the foreseeable future. That's the timeline I want to see. (laughs) That is their new numbering going forward. And you'll see that happening with a couple other series. It will not be... It will not happen with every series, but will certainly be happening with some of the key books. So with Dan DiDio saying this, and officially establishing in the DC Universe Bible (laughs) that Wonder Woman is now going to be canonically the first superhero, and it's not going to be Superman anymore. Right. 
is that something that they're hoping is going to draw reader, readers in? I don't know. Maybe with the the Wonder Woman was the only popular DC movie, so maybe. I don't know. Harley Quinn being in other movies oh, seems I, to be popular. So I, are, are they going to revamp the DC Universe Bible that Harley Quinn was the first hero? Maybe. You know what they should do? Um, because I heard that Joker movie got a lot of accolades and uh, award nominations and made a lot of money. Maybe they should put out a lot of Joker stuff, Joe. Oh, boy. Somebody call up Dan. Get him on the blower. I got a great idea. I don't know, Joe. I, I still want to see this timeline in full. Because yes. I don't understand it. No. Uh, well, like, we was, there was chatting at the shop. I don't know if it was before or after you were there. That Crisis on Infinite Earths was the worst thing to ever happen to DC. Yes. Um, was it was not there this time. But I would in retrospect, now that we're some, what? 34 years since Christ on Infinite Earth. Right. I would say that it's done more harm than good. Yes, because they keep revamping and what counts. Everything counts because we don't want to not sell those trades. Like, who's going to say New 52 didn't count? Because they want to sell those stories. So, so, and that's what, isn't that like the, the, the catchphrase, now it all counts? I'm like, I'm very confused on how it all counts. Uh, I guess for new readers, it's very easy, but for older readers, and I even like our retailer said, like these new numberings and stuff like that, it's like, who are you going to get back? Who who wants issue 750 of Flash? All the people who have jumped ship because of all the changes you made, they're not coming back to get Flash 750. And the new readers, they want they want to start off with a 750? I don't know. I'm all confused. Well... It wasn't hypertime in the late 90s supposed to fix all the previous crises and zero hours and all that sort of stuff? Yes, and every time they try to fix it, they make it worse. Right, it should have ended with hypertime. When they did hypertime, which essentially was them saying, like, every story counts. Whether it be Golden Age, whether it be Silver Age, whether it be, whether it be Elseworlds, it all counts. Moving mm-hmm. on. And they've continued to muck with that sense. Yep. And, and, you know, that's, this is the thing. As much as we, you know, all, in the past, we were DC guys. I got to give it to Marvel. They have the ever stretching uh, timeline where it's just like, all right, well, you know, we got lucky with Captain America because we can keep him frozen for however long. So World War Two to him coming out to Fantastic Four being launched into space and the Avengers. That's that's the only real sliding scale. And then someday you're going to have to worry about Magneto. Those are your two. You know what I mean? Yeah. But otherwise, everything is just like, just move Punisher to another war. You know, <laughs> like he was in Vietnam. Nope. Bam. Now yeah. he's in Afghanistan. You know, like that's, and I don't know that we're not running out of war. So I, I just look at it as that, like Marvel had it right. And when they did their secret wars a few years ago and they were like, oh, we're going to change. I'm like, you know, uh, you know, here there be dragons. Don't like, don't, don't be going that way. So that's that's why I give Marvel a head and shoulders above DC when it comes to managing their their characters and timelines. Though Marvel sold them all off and, and hurt themselves in other ways, but you know it's a little little, little you know you gotta you gotta weigh your options. <laughs> well, the one part of the DC universe that we don't have to worry about, Todd, is the mm-hmm. Black Label books. Oh, really? Uh, so a lot of the Black Label books uh, have been late. Uh, as Batman Damned was coming out, it was late. Uh, the trade is on time. I know there was a little bit of a delay in one of the Harley Quinn books. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think wasn't something else like just delayed and it's uh, another, isn't there like a Joker Harley Quinn book as well or no? One of them, because isn't there like, there was the, the, the Harley, Qu- Har- Har- Harleen book. Then there was a Joker book. And then there was a Joker Harley Quinn. I think w- either the Joker or the Harley Joker and Harley Quinn was late. It was one or the other. I, right. I get like I get confused. There's too many Joker projects. Yes. So in addressing that, Dindadio said, I'm very happy to see what we've seen from the black label material. Extraordinarily successful for us. The response and reaction has been better than we could imagine. Our plan is to make sure we're consistent in the material we're putting out and that it's strong and that it comes out on time. We will not be soliciting anything. Until we are clear the material will come out as scheduled. We like the maturity, the sensibility, and the quality. The talent is going to be driving this line. We will not overproduce here. 
because we want to make sure this is a long-term plan. Mm-hmm. This is what every company should be doing with every project they have. And this is something that every company should have been doing since Kevin Smith Green Arrow. I know we go over this because I know and you yeah. always go back to that Kevin Smith. But you know what happens, Joe? Is what? they get they get them in the they get so many in the hopper and they're like, all right, we're we're ready to go. And then you have creators who drag their feet, or the other problem is you 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 line up your books, you line up your books for this story, and then something changes or editor and you have to go back and fix stuff and you have to this. Oh, we don't like the way, the way this happened. Batman damned. Oh, there was the, you know, the bat pole. Now all of a sudden that's, you know, we have to go back and change things. Now we have to look at everything that's coming out. We have to, you know, put a microscope over every panel and stuff gets late. There will never be books on time like this. It's a wonderful thing that they always say, but it'll always happen. So I just go, this is, this is him just blowing smoke. It's, it's not going to be. They should have them all lined up because the rumor is that this is where we're going to get the, 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 the old heroes that we know and love when 5G happens. So ho- hopefully they will have it so we can get the stuff that we want. But I have a feeling you're always going to have late black label books. And you're going to have more than you actually think because they're oversized and they're, you know, prestige formats. And I don't know. There's some, I just look at it. They're going to be late. You know what I'm trying to say? Right. So in you saying that, there's always going to be lateness. Don't say these sort of things publicly. Remember when I said, like, people, when you say stuff like this publicly, especially in 2020, people are going to come back and throw this in your face the minute something's late. Even if it's like a creator was, you know, they were trapped in like an elephant graveyard and they couldn't get out to finish the inks on a book. I don't know. There was this Facebook thing that Dan DiDio did back in January six years ago where he said books will never be late again. And like, that's not what he said, but that's, you know what I mean? Don't even say that. Do you think all these, all these things that Dan is saying, but you know, his, his Dan DiDio fireside chats that he's doing on Facebook, that he is just trying to get ahead of the maelstrom that's that's already happening 5g is this and this is what it's going to be and we're all we're all boycotting if it happens and this and the books are late and this and that and this and he's just like you know what i'm trying to i'm trying to smooth things over for now and who cares down the line because he's he's been wrong before with when he would say uh on the variant covers that oh to retailers now when you're going to order them like he said this into you know into a microphone and, and on websites that you're going to be able to see all the variants that 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 are ever coming out, and uh, like they still don't sometimes have all the variants, and it's like all right, it's just the way the industry is run. I just think you're trying to trying to put out the fire now and worry about whatever comes down the pipe later. That's the way I look at it. And yes, a lot of this definitely does feel like damage control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I saved the best for last. I think the the thing that's the most important to this show, <laughs> mm-hmm. wherein somebody questioned Dan about collections and trades and absolutes and hardcovers, to which Dan says, flying in the face of the remarks about um, Black Label was very successful, and that was like a very small part of their business in 2018, 2019. Dan says, we had a very poor 2018 with our collections. It forced us to reevaluate what we were collecting and how. So you saw a lot of changes taking place. If you saw the cancellations that occurred after solicitations, that's probably because there were no interest for these titles, meaning we couldn't hit the minimum number to justify print. I'd much prefer just to cancel books than to have devalued product out there. We have to find ways to make our collected editions valuable. So people want to purchase them and put them on a shelf. We also have to reevaluate these collections of six issues and out. When you collect six issues of a periodical, regardless if it's a complete story, you're going to see more tweaking going forward. But I feel like we're in a very good place. Uh, He also continued to talk about the visual representation of the packaging to make it more exciting to people. um, So that people are excited about just looking at the books. 
Um, somebody asked about, um, is there a way to know there might be an issue in advance? Um, and Dan said, we're not canceling because it's a couple of copies off. We're canceling because it's thousands of copies off. We, if we cannot get two thirds of that minimum, we cannot justify publishing. And then I guess some of the more recent, uh, I guess part of the reason that some of the books were being, um, re like canceled and resolicited was because I guess they were numbered on the spines of the book. Right. To which Dan said, we're finding diminishing returns in the books with numbering on the spine. They take the same periodical cadence that comes from our regular books. Every subsequent number drops precipitously. The longer those numbers run, the lower and lower those print runs become. Also, I want to make sure we're clear about what's in that book. And that's why the title's more important. I'd like someone to pick it up for the reading experience rather than the straight numbering. Oh, boy. That's a lot to, to digest there, Joe. The so, only, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I rambled. No, I know. The only part that I agree with, like I get, like he's talking, and I think we always said, if the book wasn't getting published, it was because they weren't, or getting canceled, it was because they didn't get the orders that they wanted. Um, the the one thing that I do see is the, the numbers on the side as diminishing returns is another thing like... I don't know how you don't know that a lot of people would like the, the early part of a run. If it's good, it goes on and then it probably trails off in quality. So that's why people stop getting stuff further down the line or they just want the old like action or Batman stuff like, Oh, I only want the first couple of years. I don't want, you know, 20 years into Batman. Nobody, you know, kind of remembers a lot of those stories, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't get why a lot of this stuff isn't, it seems very obvious to us that we've said a lot of this stuff on the podcast here, talking about late books and changing stuff, that it it just seems very confusing. Like, why he's even saying this? Unless it's because we talk about it a lot. Maybe a lot of people are, you know, clamoring about, why are they canceling this and doing that? So once again, it's putting out another fire. That's the only thing that I can think. So this just feels... It... This one makes the least amount of sense to me because, listen, I get you. If you're printing Batman the Bronze Age Volume 3 mm -hmm. and they've actually done market research that says that if they printed the same exact book, one has the number three on the spine and the other one doesn't, but it's the same content inside, the one that does not have the number three on the spine sells more than the other. If they actually did the research, did the investigation, and that is a proven fact, then by all means, if that's the difference, then go for it. Or the fact that, like, things aren't hitting their thresholds. But these are things that they're reprinting multiple, multiple times, and they're soliciting stuff that's already in print. Or they're soliciting stuff of, you know, collections that are already out there. And maybe this is a new format for things. And they say, we need to know what's in the collection. You know what wasn't addressed? The numerous, numerous misprints that are in these books. Right. Like, no quality control about that was addressed. So this just felt like a lot of lip service and not a real answer as to why they solicit stuff. And yes, the short answer is... We're soliciting a bunch of product that nobody wants. Okay. Then get a better idea of what people want. See, but in the long run on what stuff would no like people don't want, is that bad to solicit something like thinking people want it and then like, nope, nobody wants to cancel it. I think the bigger problem is when you're soliciting the big like prestige books over like here's, you know, B Superman Red Sun for the 58th time. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's me more the problem. Like to me going, uh, I'm trying to think of a small like like niche dc book like i like jonah hex so they put out the, the jonah hex omnibus i want to buy that uh is they're like all right it's not going to sell as an omnibus and then once again he gets into the whole thing of what's in that book they're calling it the jonah hex omnibus but it starts with weird western tales so they go all right we'll cut all the jonah hex issues out of it when it transfers over to jonah hex and just make it a weird western hardcover i i, I get 
like what like all that to me honestly makes sense but i don't mind them trying like little niche stuff see how it works try to get the product out there because who knows maybe they're just testing the water for like the dc universe streaming or they want to put out a movie or a tv show or a character they're like oh there's absolutely no interest in this then just shelve it and and move along that i don't know it just seems very very confusing for yes. a, for a problem that doesn't seem that confusing. I don't know. I think my, the angle that I'm coming from it is like, yes, give that niche product a test. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is every time that previews comes out, they're giving like four to six niche products a time. Mm-hmm. And then they put four to six niche products out in the glut of the Justice League, the Batman, the Superman, the Wonder Woman, everything else. Mm-hmm. And then you put on top of that four to six niche products, whether it be a, a first time printing of something, a new printing of something old that's been out of print for a long time or whatever it is. And then you end up canceling. If you put out four niche things and you end up canceling three of them. Okay. Maybe put one niche thing out a month. See if people buy, because a lot of times those people that like the niche thing, they like all of the niche things. And they have to make the decision. If you give them four niche things, they're not going to get all four. But if you give them one a month, you have a better chance of them biting on that one as opposed to having to choose one of four. Right. Um, but are th- I don't have a previews in front of me. Are, th- are there definitely that many niche things in previews every month? Because I don't, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Off the top of my head. I feel like they, they are doing a lot, but... with comics becoming popular like they're opening up to bookstores and stuff like that so you have a you have a bigger wider uh base for for trades than you do the individual issues i I don't know you know and we always do this i have dc previews right here Mm -hmm. just getting to the back here where they do the collection so excuse me while i flip through this no problem okay And no one addressed, uh, they're doing, and hey, you know what, and and like, I don't want to be all naysay and negative in regards to this. Um, They did announce that they are going to be doing more of those dollar books, kind of keeping those in print. And that's a good idea. It's like first things, it's key issues. Just as an example, there's no less than uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight dollar books that are solicited in the most recent DC previews. And it's like first issue of death in the family. Uh, first issue of the Robin solo miniseries. Uh, first issue of the Alan Moore swamp thing. Um, the first issue of Jeff Jones, uh, justice league, the first issue of Brad Meltzer justice league, the first issue of Grant Morrison justice league, the first issue of, uh, Wade and Kitson's, uh, jail year one. And the first issue of Giffen and Maddie's justice league. Right. It's thematic. They're all key issues. They're out there for a buck. Right. And I have no problem with that because Marvel was doing that for the longest time. Remember? Yeah. And that's, and this is a great idea. Right. It's, it's to get something into a kid's hands, good stories, maybe, maybe some nostalgia to it. You know what I mean? Right. But stuff like that. And maybe they are some of the bigger books that I want a collection. I want one. I want a, you know, a comic of it in my collection. I can't afford. Now, not all those like the J- Justice League year one and all that stuff, but some of that stuff, like they're putting out, I just saw it in the shop. Uh, when I was do- looking for the new books, they put out the Batman animated, v- animated adventures, which was the first appearance of Harley Quinn. It's like, well, here's a comic book version that you can own. It's not the original worth, you know, $800, but there you go. So I get all that. Okay. So as I'm just looking through this here, uh, as we start in the collections, there's a lot of like newer stuff that's getting collected. Like that Batman last night on earth, mm-hmm. Superman smashes the clan, uh, the most recent trades of both Batman and Detective Comics. I have no uh, problem Batman with... Digi- what was that? I was I have no problem with stuff like that. Right. I get it. Because that's and, what people wait for. They don't buy the issues to, to do this. Right. Uh, you know, Batman Ninja Turtles 3, Batman Superman, the new series, the first volume of that. Um, the Catwoman, like the most recent Catwoman trade. Now we get into this, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is a 40-page hardcover... That's called DC First Issue Special. Right. And it's the first 13 issues of DC First Issue Special. Mm-hmm. Screams canceled to me. Um, I'm trying to figure out in there. 
and I know I and I know why that comes out. One of them is that's the first appearance of um I can't think of what the character Mark Shaw, who's the new Leviathan. And there's other things in that DC special one that oh Black Mask. I'm trying to remember if Black Mask first appeared in there. He's gonna be in the heart in the Harley Quinn movie. There's a couple of weird characters that appear in there. That's why that's getting put out there. Maybe it'll get canceled, but to me that's you okay. Know, I just go ahead. So if that is the case. None of that is in the solicitation text for this. Right. You would think that would be important information if that was the reason why. Let's include that in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the most recent things for like Doom Patrol, Freedom Fighters. Then we have this uh, $30 hardcover Joker 80 Years of the Clown Prince of Crime. Okay. I'm sure that'll be fine, you know? Right. Um another a new printing of an oversized trade paperback of Jeff John's Green Lantern like volume 3 uh Tales of the Batman by Steve Englehart $50 hardcover that's Batman but like you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh another $50 hardcover of Jerry Conway's New Gods right um another $50 hardcover uh Shazam World's Mightiest Mortal uh, volume two. Uh, we got the Tom King stuff from the 80 page giants. We've got a Superman golden age, volume five, $40, tr- uh, trade paperback. Mm-hmm. Um, wonder woman, her greatest victories. Again, I don't know what that is, but it's like super cheap. You know what I mean? I'm sure that's going to be out right. on stands. No, I honestly have a weird question for you. Do you consider all this stuff niche? Okay. Because I don't consider Batman and Captain Marvel niche. Okay, no, no, no. Now, see, okay. I, I, okay, that DC first issue special absolutely niche, right? But okay, the the tales of Batman, Steve Englehart. Yeah, it's Batman, but it's kind of like, you know what I mean? Like, are we selling on Batman? Like, is that going to sell just because it's Batman, or is that going to be, um, you know, like is Steve Englehart moving that? Right. Uh, the New Gods by Jerry Conway. That's kind of niche. They love they love their Jack Kirby at DC, though, boy. Uh-huh, but that's Jerry Conway doing Jack Kirby stuff. Right, but it's still... Dan Didio loves all that Kirby... Anything. Sure, sure. Yeah, right, and I, I agree. To me, that's all niche right there. Right. All the New God stuff. And Anything while, Jack Kirby. Like, I don't... Like, while Shazam may not be niche, I think, like, these old Shazams are niche. Mm-hmm. And then that Golden Age Superman Volume 5 is niche, I would say. Right. But I was just kind of looking at things like, like what's not like a current printing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what, so right there, like, I'll give you, uh, I'll give you three. You know what I mean? I'll take that Steve Englehart Batman away. But like, there's one DC first issue special. That's niche. The New Gods by Jerry Conway. That's niche. Superman Golden Age Volume 5. Shazam you know, World's Mightiest Mortal Volume 5, maybe if they weren't $50 hardcovers. Mm-hmm. But you've got at least two, and I'll give you three niche right. products in this previews alone. I guarantee at least two of them are getting canceled. Right. See, I look at what you said as those three definitely niche. Those other two are nostalgic. Like, I, like I, I don't know the word for it, but there's another word for what they are to me. Because they're not niche, like the the bat, like Superman Golden Age. It's something else because it's Superman. Like I could never put the niche label on a characters who have made billions of dollars over, over, even though it's a subset of that character. I don't know. It's this is one of those things where we go round and round on you know the little details. So I don't know, but I get what you're saying, right? And that and that's just the thing is like if they put one of those out. Like, if they just pick, like, let's do the New Gods one. Or they did the the famous first issues one and actually advertised, like, this character in the Wonder Woman movie, this character in the Suicide Squad movie, this character, blah, blah, blah. I think that might generate a little bit more interest. Right. And, I, and I'm probably wrong on that it was Black Mask. But there is somebody who's in that first issue special also. So don't hold me to that. Right. So we spent way more time on that than I thought we were going to. But that's okay. That's fine. We'll pick it up on the back end. Right. Conventions this weekend, not too, too much going on. The only thing really is the Albuquerque Comic-Con in Albuquerque, uh, New Mexico. Uh, Marv Wolfman, 
Uh, you got one person from every genre that we talk about on the show. Marv Wolfman's going to be there from the world of comics. Carl Weathers is going to be there from TV and film. And Christian, a.k.a. Jay Riso, is there from the world of sports and or entertainment. That's right. You got your trifecta. There you go. Boom. Links to that will be in the show notes, along with links to soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. All the shows in the network, all our friends that put out podcasts whenever they appear on other podcasts, we put them up on the site. It's your one-stop catch-all workaround for podcatchers, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes, uh, Long Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Wednesday Night War, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, and then, like I said, if anybody else shows up on any other shows and they remind me that they're on those shows, I'll put them up on the site. So if you're a fan of everybody who does shows here, you can find all the stuff that they're up to. Free digital books and sales. we got a bunch of sales. We're at the waning days of that IDW Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sale, but we do have some other stuff going on. The Boom Studios, Buffy, Angel, and Firefly sale still going on from last week. Images, Greg Rucka sale still going on from last week. DC having a sale on James Tinney and the fourth stuff. Uh, sadly, no uh, way to work in Batman Year One <laughs> or Dark Knight Returns into that. Uh, but there's a lot of Batman stuff to check out in there. And Marvel is having a sale on their Dan Slot Spider-Man stuff. And, uh, hey, Superior Spider-Man is maybe one of the best books uh, written in the last 10 years. You can get the first two oversized collections, which I think ends up being almost a thousand pages of material, <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, you can get... Uh, what's it end up being? The first 31 issues plus the two annuals for 20 bucks. Right. That's a good deal, and that's some really good comics. Yes, it is. Uh, the freebies that they've rolled out as we just started recording this show, uh, they have FF number one, uh, by Jonathan Hickman. They have Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme from Robbie Thompson. They have Fear Itself, Youth in Revolt by Sean McKeever, and Galactic Guardians. <sighs> Remember when the Guardians of the Galaxy were not real characters, and Marvel had no idea what to do with them, so they said, Hey boss, I got an idea. Let's make them look like them image comics. And then that didn't work. Oh. That's what this is. So that's that's my uh, rec recommend of the week. Go look at how bad Marvel was in 1994. Ugh. This is what they decided to do with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and they're like the like all the other books. It's like you know, Youth and Revolt has like this like four line write up, and Doctor Strange has like a five line write up, and Doctor or FF has like a four line write up. Galactic Guardian says introducing Woden, son of Thor. Oh. That's the description of what happens in this issue. Hey, well, I don't want to give away all the good <laughs> in the in the in the preview, Joe. Oh my goodness. <sighs> but those those links will also be in the show notes here as well. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. All right. I'm gonna start with the book I was looking forward to most, Batman 86, written by James Tinian the Fourth, uh, drawn by Tony S. Daniel. And this is, you know, at coming off the the hint the, the the tom king run excuse me there for a second um so basically batman is now with uh catwoman and he's trying to use wayne enterprises to rebuild uh gotham city in a better way and he's having a venue to get investors but during that same night wouldn't you know uh, a bunch of assassins are coming into town to, to 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 do something and batman has to look into it so he leaves selena to to watch over that while he goes to try to catch the assassins and we find out that lucius fox now is helping him out uh back at the bat cave or wherever he's situated and he goes and he ends up like in deathstroke the terminator and a couple other well-known and little less known uh assassins are there and he has to take them out and he, they're showing new equipment that he's building and everything and then we find out that there's a plot involved to maybe take down Wayne uh, Corporation rebuilding Gotham in a certain way that somebody else wants to 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 tweak with that and Selena's on to that um and then at the end we get a preview another preview like in the last issue of Batman of 
Joker stuff that's happening. Um, I I really like this this story. There's a moment in here where Batman's super tired is talking to Lucius Fox and he gets something wrong and he apologizes by saying he's very, very tired. And it was a heartbreaking moment for me. And I really liked it. And that was the, the, like reading all this action adventure. It was fun seeing Deathstroke. It was fun seeing the other assassins, Catwoman doing her thing. There's a subplot going on. But when I got to that one page and he apologized to Lucius, I was like, all right, you have the heart of what like the Batman is right now. And I really enjoyed this book. And I really like the, the epilogue with the Joker stuff that it's, that stuff is, is, is very creepy from this issue and last issue. And I'm looking forward to, to where it's going. Joker stuff's not striking me the way it's striking you. I remember Mm -hmm. you said a week or two ago when they had the little epilogue in the last uh, Tom King issue and you were putting over how, uh, you know, how tense it was and how everything it was. And I'm like, I need to read that back again because I, that didn't hit me the same way. Uh, maybe I'm just kind of numb to the Joker stuff. And I'm not saying that this was a bad issue by any stretch of the imagination, but coming off the heels of like the heavy and deep themes of the Tom King stuff and all the stuff that Scott Snyder was doing on it, especially like Tom King doing this book for as long as he's been, what's it been like? He was on the book for like what, four years. Right. I right. want to say four, four years. If you if you stretch out all the issues. Right. So there was a lot of heavy stuff going on in this issue, but in comparison to what's come before it, this felt like a nice palate cleanser. It's like, ah, oh, this is a kind of like a low stakes Batman story. He just has to deal with like three things and, you know, possible, you know, the crippling depression of Alfred being dead. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, oh, this is a nice light take on Batman of what we've seen for the last several years. See, I, the, when you put it like that, I think it kind of lessens what the book is. And, the, and, you, and you're kind of right. You, you are. This is a more superhero comic. Like, like, like you said, the Tom King run was an epic and it had different like la- layers and it kind of, at sometimes it even lost me, but that was great. And I love it for what it was. And I think it went off the rails for a little bit. Um, this is Batman that's more easily accessible. And I had no problem switching gears instantly because I've read this Batman before and it's fun. You know what I mean? This is, this is if I wouldn't like it, if somebody tried to do what Tom King did on the book. So it's, it's like, yep, I'm, I'm ready to go on a, on a bat and give you, you know, this is your one, one issue start. We'll see where it goes, but I was very happy with it. Like I said, I was happy with it too. I think James Tinney is a very capable writer, and I think having to follow, like, there was no way he was going to out-event what has come before him, Mm -hmm. or out-epic what has come before him, and my favorite part of this was the fight between Batman and Deathstroke, where they're, you know, talking to each other, and, like, telling each other the plans, and Batman's like, well, I knew you were gonna do this, and, you know, Deathstroke's like, well, I was gonna do, like, oh, this is obviously this, and I looked into that, but it was too expensive, and, you know, it was a very comic hero-y, like, comic book superhero, supervillainy fight, and it was a nice change of pace to read in a Batman book after how many years of not having anything like this in a Batman book. And I do like, as you're saying, he's, he's, cause I do love the stuff with Deathstroke too, because I like the way, and I'm going to use your vernacular in this show is the way Batman puts Deathstroke over. He's yeah. like, he's like, literally, he's like, there's a room full of assassins. They are not my problem because I, I'm going to use my lower level Batman tricks on them. Everything about what I'm about to do is to knock Slade Wilson off his game because I do not stand a chance just walking in that room trying to take him down. And I'm like, woo, like they made they make they made him like a a bad, bad cat. You know what I mean? And I was like instantly I was like, ooh, like is Batman gonna be able to take him down? Like, cause he's when Batman says, oh, this might be a problem, that's not good, <laughs> you know, but it it worked really well in this. Yep. So it's good if you haven't been digging Batman because maybe it's been too heady or too deep or too whatever, you know, you know, for the next year, at least Batman's kind of a little bit more straightforward, at least. 
mm-hmm. you know, do you need to know what happened to the previous, you know, 85 issues? Yeah, sure. But they do a good job of catching you up. I definitely uh, recommend checking this one out. I really think the only two things you need to know is that Alfred is dead and he's dating, I'm sorry, married without the paperwork to Catwoman. Right. They're just saying they're married. Right, which is okay. We could do that. Common law is a thing in Gotham City, I guess. Bring that up at the shop and watch Head Spin. (laughs) I had a cake and everything ready to go. (laughs) So, uh, the other book uh, from this past week that we were both looking forward to, I I was looking forward to, I'm sure you read, which was Immortal Hulk number 29, written by Al Ewing with art by Joe Bennett. Joe Bennett back in full form on this issue. And the crux of this issue is, now I, previous issue, thought that it was going to be um, the the Minotaur guy who runs Roxxon was going to do some sort of, like, thing to discredit the Hulk by, like, sending his own fake Hulk out there to do, like, bad things in the Hulk's name and, like, use his media to spin it. But no, uh, at the same time, Team Hulk is figuring out how things are working with the Hulk's powers now. Uh, Minotaur figures it out as well. So he designs a designs a calculated attack to happen at the exact moment when he is speculating that the Hulk will be at his weakest and sends four different giant, really cool-looking kaiju monsters to attack the area where the Hulk is. Specifically, whether he knew it or not, I'm sure he did, he seems like he's a very good tactician, that there was going to be no other people that the Hulk can rely on, that he would have to handle this by himself. Mm-hmm. At his weakest. And of course, the Hulk, realizing it's a trap, a trap, still plunges headlong into these battles. Right. I, I, I like this issue too, but my all that is great. All the stuff that landed with you, but the two things that, that really interested me in all this is that they have a moment where the reporter and Doc Sampson are discussing the powers yeah. of, of Hulk. And like he's like, oh, he can kind of come out you know, in the sun-ish, and it's kind of a reverse of Joe Fix-It, and he ends up trying to explain Joe Fix-It. She's like, I know who it is. And then while this is going on, you find out that this is a trap, and he's and, and Hulk's like, trap, all right, I'm in. Or actually, uh, Bruce, it's not Hulk yet, goes, yes, it, this is a trap. Let me go change, and I'll I'll take care of it. Obviously, it means change, change the Hulk. And there's a moment where Betty's, who has up to this point really disliked, you know, Bruce and the Hulk and has been like aloof and everything was kind of like, huh? Like it's a trap. And she's kind of interested there. It's the little things in an Al Ewing book like that, that are, are tests are, are catching my, uh, uh, attention and there's something going on with, like I said, Joe fix it where like he's calling himself sunshine Joe because he could come out in the thing. And there's a few things that I don't want to go into that doc Samson that says that I think, all this with like the devil Hulk and the immortal Hulk, it's all Joe fix it. There's something going on. Joe fix. It's going to be that, that tweak. You're going to be, that's going to be like, Oh man, he's going to come down, come out somewhere and just mess things up. I don't know. There's cause he keeps saying like, I don't know if it was something like I'm the, he was the most important Hulk or whatever. I'm like, he's feeling bad about just being puny Bruce in the daylight Hulk. He wants, he wants to get back in control. I don't know yep. that, but that's my take on it. Yeah, it was really good. Um, and you said it was uh, uh, Doc Samson was talking to the reporter. He was talking to Betty. Oh, okay. I thought he was talking to the reporter, too. No, the reporter had the other thing going on where oh. she was talking to the editor about, like, the, the biases in her articles and everything else like that. And, of course, that kind of was, you know, they've been doing this thing with this uh, last couple issues where there's, like, the three concurrent things going on of, like, the Team Hulk stuff, the mm-hmm. reporter, and, uh, you know, uh, the Minotaur guy. Right, you're right. I'm, I apologize because I was wrong. Because when he's talking to Betty, she's Betty, and then Bruce comes in the room and she turns into the harpy. Yeah, like instantly, and you're like, oh, like. But once again, like the harpy is like, uh, still like what, like da- trap? And I'm like, okay, so yeah, I don't know. That Immortal Hulk's been pretty good lately. Yeah. Uh, again, I, obviously, we're in the middle of a storyline. It's a little bit more difficult to jump in on this one. Uh, so again, if you were looking for something new uh, this past week. I think Batman would have been your better bet. But, you know, we always recommend Hulk. Hulk's always going on sale digitally. Um, It's something that they consistently keep in print. So 
you know, you can find it if you really want to mm-hmm. read it. And I recommend you really read it because it's really awesome. Yep. So, of course, that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to uh, longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week, whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you get the hardcover collections with or without the numbers on the spine. <laughs> I, heard, I heard a great writer once say you could bring those books to his house and he'll write any number on them that you want. Now, that did go for floppy issues. I don't know if that would go for hardcovers and omnibuses, but I'm, you know, you could certainly ask him. Uh, Todd and I, what we attempt to do every year is guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. This year, it is a new week. Uh, we are in the third week of the year, so I am in the lead currently, but things can change very quickly. Now, I do have one concern, and maybe you could help me with this, as I am looking at the picture that we have accompanying this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Eyes is out this week, right? Yes, it is. Okay. Because it's like, it wasn't on Diamond site, mm-hmm. and that site that you sent me of all, like, all the variants and everything, it's not on that site either. Right, and when I pull I that because the one that I do the variants that I sent you about the variants is where I get an idea of what I'm pulling yeah. for my for my books this week, and then I go in and you know blah blah blah, and I did not see Dead Eyes on there at all, and I walk in, I'm like, "There's Dead Eyes four. Well, you know, yeah. I'll put it on the list." So it was on Images site. It just wasn't on like Diamond or the Variant site. So I'm like, right. okay, let me double check to make sure. Um, but that being said. I think the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Second Coming number six. It is the finishing, uh, the ending of Second Coming, the miniseries Second Coming number six. Yay. Is the book you are looking forward to most also Second Coming number six? It is. I've uh, really been enjoying what Mark Russell's been doing of late. Uh, we actually discussed this at the shop, that he'd be a perfect fit. Uh, he He could be the perfect one for DC to kind of flagship some of their bigger books around going forward. But for right now, if the only things he's writing is this and red Sonia and wonder twins, I'll take it. Right. He's going to be doing two red Sonia books. He is. Yeah. There's one coming up in March. It's just in this previews. Now it's like the killing of red Sonia. And they're supposed to dovetail into each other. Oh, okay. so he's do- yes, yes. He's yeah. doing a lot of stuff and he's finishing up wonder twins. So God only knows what he's going to have on his plate. He seems to be very prolific. And uh, prolific and writes very good stuff. Right. And uh, yeah, so we both got that right. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that we have over there. Whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark with the 2017 smash sensation todd and joe have issues you could also purchase stuff from our store you could get shirts or stickers or pins with our fancy logo on them if you want more than that you want those in full color you want soon to be named network stuff you want add odds with wrestling stuff you want shirts with lines inspired and spawned from the show you could head over to our t public store which is also included in that little store button you could also sign up for our patreon for as little as a dollar a month you get not one, but two bonus shows from Todd and I every month. Uh, Babbling Brooks, where we talk about the films of Mel Brooks and previewing the past, which is the free episode up of that on all of the feeds that we do. Uh, the first Patreon exclusive of that is going to be up in about a week or two, uh, where we're going to be looking at the January two th- or 1990 previews 30 years ago this month to see what is was going on in the world of comic books. We're currently in a little bit of a downturn. Uh, some of the industry was bolstered by the success of the Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Batman film, but that did not last very long. Lasted longer because, you know, good stuff was a coming. Hmm. Um, so for as little as a dollar a month, you could get those two bonus shows. Uh, it's two extra shows a month. Uh, if you do $5 and up, you get those bonus shows before the under $5 people, plus you get After Dark uh, a couple days before everyone else. As long as Joe can figure it out. <laughs> well, again, listen to After Dark this week and you'll hear the whole thing of 
what's going on over there. Um, but another way that you can help us out uh, without having to spend anything extra out of your pocket, and listen, I understand times are tough, um, you could always, always help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click-through at the top of longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it a thing that makes us happy at the end of the month when we get our two-month delay payout from Amazon. <laughs> yep. Some of the notable purchases from the Amazon click-through this past week include somebody purchased the New Mutants Demon Bear trade paperback. So I think there's a movie coming out about that. Mm-hmm. They've been threatening that movie for a long time, Todd. <laughs> I saw the trailer. It looked pretty good. Yeah, I saw a couple trailers this week. That's all I can say about that. Uh, somebody also purchased the digital co- uh, digital edition of Thor Volume 2, Road to War of the Realms. Uh, somebody also purchased the Modern Real Estate Practice in Pennsylvania, 12th edition. Ooh, I wonder if that's being sent to Portugal. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Quite the opportunity for you there, I guess. <laughs> Uh, somebody purchased an Ubiquity Networks router. And I just want to throw out to you that in the description on Amazon for this router, the word networks was in the description as many times as Dan DiDio said timeline in that one oh. Facebook post. So a lot. A lot. Uh, and then, of course, somebody purchased the Thermo Pro Digital Instant Read meat thermometer, kitchen cooking, food, candy thermometer with backlight and magnet for oil, deep fry, barbecue, grill, smoker, thermometer. That's right. I always want to know the temperature of my candy before I eat it. Yes. Nothing like a frozen candy bar. Oh, you know what's really good? A frozen tasty cake. Mm, oh, I'll have to try that. You go get the little, the, the, what are they, the peanut butter ones with the chocolate and the sponge cake? Yeah. Put those in. But I highly recommend you go buy the double stuffed peanut butter ones that they have at Walmart. Oh, my God. Chef's kiss, Joe. Oh, so good. Chef's kiss is on the list I talk about on After Dark. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm a big fan of the, they, they do it all the time now, so it's not, it's not a special uh, as it used to be, but it's just as delicious. You know the Reese's peanut butter eggs? Right. Now they just have those like year-round. Which is, I'm fine with that. And, and listen, I'm fine with it too because they're delicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it takes a little bit of the specialness away from them because it was like, oh, you only get them during Easter time. But it's like, oh, we have them for Valentine's Day. We have them in the shape of the sun for the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll never forget it was for the Dark Knight. They had them in the shape of the Batman logo, mm-hmm. but they were dark chocolate. Ugh. Oh, they need to bring those bad boys back. But those are the perfect freezer candy. Right. You know what? Speaking of tasty cakes, they also have, uh, the you know, the butterscotch crimpets. Yes. They have butterscotch crimpets occasionally with double frosting on top. Oh, my God. Just take my foot. I'll have 10 of those, please. Goodness. All right. So thank you everyone for the Amazon purchases. You can tell that both Todd and I are very hungry. Yeah. Uh, did we have any uh, uh, art attacks this week? Nope. Maybe when someone goes to that con this weekend, they'll pick one up. Maybe. maybe. Or, uh, you know, maybe you ordered something because you could order stuff online. Everyone has their stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, or maybe you're a burgeoning artist yourself and you want to share your art with us. You could certainly send that information to Todd's Art Attack. And uh, we'll make sure that we uh, send that information and share it with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the end of the show uh, before we get into discussion of Doctor Who. Right. I think that is. So thanks for listening, everybody. Episode 485, Long Box Heroes. And uh, we're going to take like a little bit of a pause here. For the uh, Doctor Who talk. Mm. Thought you were going to say the cause. No. I think uh, he needs a lot more than us taking five seconds of the podcast. So you're saying the cause, like C-A-U-S-E. I'm thinking of the cause as in Bill Cosby. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, No, not that one. Okay. So uh, now it's time to discuss the latest uh, episode of Doctor Who, or as I like to call it, Fake Legends of Tomorrow, or as I also like to call it, 
hey, let's just rip off Planet of the Apes. Wow. You're not even going to throw aliens in there at all? Shots fired. Boom, boom. I like the alien designs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like, you know what? It's a little Planet of the Apes. It's a little bit Last Man on Earth. It's a little bit of plagiarism and a lot of uh, Doctor and uh, going around doing stuff. Well, I could show you whole episodes of Doctor Who that were wrapped around Frank the Frankenstein, that were wrapped around Poseidon Adventure. Oh, they just love their homages, Joe. These are all homages. Didn't someone who I canceled personally once say that when you steal from one person, it's plagiarism, but when you steal from many people, it's research? That's, yes. Okay. Um, this was fine. Uh, very pedestrian. Not really much to move the plot along of whatever the overarching storyline is. And that's, you know, what I've come to learn from Doctor Who. That you get, like, your big thing to set things up at the beginning of the season. And then maybe they kind of bring it all back around. And then the middle stuff is just kind of character stuff. Building relationships between the group. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe some of these people will come back. Maybe they won't. Um right. What's his face? Uh, Graham wins a, a prize to go to an all-inclusive resort. And within seconds of them arriving at the all-inclusive resort, things start falling apart miser- miserably. Mm-hmm. And the doctor finds out that they're just in a geodesic dome that is on this uh, this barren planet, Orphan 55, that's just been desolated. And there's these aliens that have broken through, and they're ravaging everyone, and there's no breathable air. And luckily, they kidnapped an old man who had an oxygen tank, so he'll be okay longer than we expect. And then there's a bunch of green-haired people, one who looks like Charlie Day from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and his kid who appears to be smarter than he is. And spoilers, everyone, the planet that we're on is Earth. Remember, boys and girls, when it, when it's a desolated planet in the future, it's always Earth. It's never not Earth. They should do that just to kind of subvert my expectations. Where in the episode itself, the people are like, "Oh no, we're on some sort of weird timeline where this is like Earth all destroyed or something." They're like, "No, it's it's definitely not Earth. This was actually Jupiter." Oh, <laughs> uh, that's I'm like Jupiter. I'm a big gas giant, but uh. I look at it as this episode, and then you have on top of that, you have uh, the the person who's terraforming the planet to to do the the getaway spot, who turns out to be the mother of the person who's. There's also someone attacking, doing cyber attacks on the whole station and everything. And in the end, this is a, like all the pieces are there, but this is very put together, very clunkily. Just, just it's. I don't know. It's just not well done. There are moments in it that I really liked. I liked when Ryan gets infected by the cyber virus and she ends up getting it, getting it out of him. And she's like, all right, uh, just suck your thumb until the hallucinations pass. And she turns around. She goes, Oh, by the way, remember the, 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 the bats aren't real. And Ryan's just standing there, like trying to swat. And I was crying. I was like, that was actually funny. And then, when they go and they have their little oxygen things on, like everybody's in the yellow, but the doctor's is in the red because the doctor never shuts up. And I'm, I'm like, all these little things are great, but in the end, like what would like the, the mother just abandoned the girl to go terraform. But then she's like, this was my legacy for her. And I was like, no, like all too short, not enough. Like you didn't get me into the characters to, to have that ha- to resonate at all. And in the end, it's just like, it was earth all along and war and famine. And you can fix it all. If you just know what you're And I'm like, don't preach to me. All right. I, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say like this stuff can't happen, but please, like this is me trying to get away from my problems every week. I don't need you giving me a speech that I have to save earth or these giant aliens are going to eat us all. Like, stop it. And, and isn't this something that we've done once, maybe twice before in science fiction, television movies, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Give it a break. Yep. I, I just, like I said, this is, I, I mean, this was probably one of my least favorite episodes that they've done of doctor who that being said, I give it seven thumbs up. And, and like I said, it was fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like objectively bad by any stretch of the imagination, but that was the thing is the new characters that we are introduced to 
felt so disposable or one note, it was tough to care when, like, half of them died. Right, and then even, like, the one that I had the most, like, was the old couple who the, uh, the, the old guy was trying to propose to the old lady. Yeah, we had, like, a nice little, like, we... M- so that we had like three, well, four, including like the woman who was in charge of the security. Mm-hmm. We had like four different people or groups of people that were all interjected in with the doctor and the companions. Maybe eliminate one and let one of those other stories breathe a little bit more. Right. And then on top of that, they kidnapped the guy with the oxygen tank to do what? To, they never say like, oh, they're like, they're playing with them. And I'm like... And that's never established. They just take him, and he ends up proposing through, like, through the hull of the the truck that they're in. And then he goes, "Oh," and she goes, "Will we say yes?" She goes, "Yes." And he goes, "By the way, when you when you're leaving, someone please kill me." And just off screen, they're like, "Did you see my husband?" She's like, "Yeah, I shot him." Like he asked, and I'm like, "This all like this all fell apart right here." You know what I mean? Like I don't I don't know. It just seemed like oh, we managed to crash the truck. It just seemed all cliche at times. I like, you know, like cookie cutter. Yes. Um, other than a couple of really great scenes that I actually liked. So, but that's well, all I have on it. Yeah, just a just a kind of there episode of Doctor Who. Nothing special. Mm-hmm. But. but next week we'll not only have Doctor Who to discuss, we'll also have Arrow and real time travel <laughs> TV with the return <laughs> of Legends of Tomorrow. Are you telling me, Joe, that next week is the return of Wig O'Clock? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Get that I'm not wearing a watch, ready, but people. it certainly is Wig O'Clock. Yes, Wig O'Clock. Get and the hashtag tiny hat o'clock, and... too. Oh, tiny <laughs> hat o'clock. Oh, God. So, yeah, I think that's it for the show. Yep. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Longbox Heroes episode 485 ending for real lots of comic book talk lots of tv talk next week and uh thanks for listening we'll see y'all here next week remember be a faucet not a drain You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.